This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. I'm with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. It is great to be with you this morning, as always. And uh, we're really excited to have former legislator and, and Butler Snow attorney Mark Garriga on the show this week. And, and Mark, would you please tell uh, the listeners a little bit about your background? You're a healthcare lawyer. Tell us a little bit about how you got interested in, in healthcare legislation. Uh, well, thanks, Richard, and thanks for having me on your show. Um, I have been, let's see, I've been practicing law since 1985, and but I've only been involved in healthcare, I guess, for the last 15 years of that practice. And um, I, I think maybe I got interested in it um, when I was in legislature. Um, I served one term there. I was uh, assistant chair of the public health committee in the House. I uh, got to see a lot of very interesting things about healthcare and how health care is regulated, at least on the state level. Um, and it's always just been a fascinating subject for me. Well, especially it's important, uh, you know, during COVID-19, I know people have uh, concerns about health care. And we are going to focus on medical marijuana legislation today and, and the initiative that was passed uh, at the last election. But can you talk about some other health care initiatives, important health care initiatives that have been in uh, front of the legislature? Sure. Um, well, health care is always a hot topic in the legislature. And, um and, and that's for a lot of different reasons. You know, sometimes it's because there's some sort of federal initiative or effort that's going on, like uh, expansion of Medicaid. Sometimes it's just simply because of the way the Mississippi legislature does business, you know, these appealers, to try to make sure that um, legislation stays current. So and for those, for your listeners who may not know how that works, when a bill is passed, and it can be something like, you know, the division of Medicaid, they put a provision at the very end that says uh, this act will expire June 30th, you know, 2021. So that forces the legislature to come back. Um, so that happened this year with a couple of big things. Uh, that happened with the Department of Health. There's a repealer in that legislation that forces the legislature to come back and revisit the whole issue. And, and when I say uh, revisit the whole issue, I, that's what I really mean. I mean, do we have to have a board, uh, Department of Health? If so, what will it look like? Uh, will there be a board of health? How many people serve on the board? That sort of thing. So that, that bill is in uh, process this year. Probably the largest one, though, is what's called the Technical Amendments Bill for Medicaid. Um, it also has a repealer in it. So the legislature has to do something this year or this huge program and how huge, you know, most people don't even realize, has to be reenacted. So that's an opportunity for legislators to you know, change the law, 
to change things like eligibility, how you qualify for Medicaid, um, how much will be paid to providers, all that sort of thing is in play this year. And uh, that's, that's a really, uh, as far as pure economic fiscal impact, probably the Medicaid technical, what's called the technical amendments bill is probably the largest thing in place still in legislation. Can, can I ask, do, do they call on people like you and experts in, in, from the medical field uh, to get advice on, on these bills when they, when they look at health care bills, or is this something the legislature does kind of uh, on their own? Yeah, they do. Um, maybe not people like me, but, but yeah, there are hearings held all throughout the year. Uh, the legislature is, the Mississippi legislature is pretty good about that. Um, a couple of years ago when there was uh, some major changes to put in the Division of Medicaid and, and how certain programs were to be administered, uh, legislators came back to Jackson on a regular basis for these committee meetings to, to hear from what we call stakeholders, you know, people who work at hospitals, doctors, people like that. Um, so, yeah, they, they make a concerted effort. They've been very good about that over the years. But, um, you know, they can't take everybody's advice. I mean, there's only a limited amount of money. And so if you move something from this pot to that pot, obviously it has ramifications. And um, so that's what they struggle with. It's, it's a limited amount of money, even though it's a lot of money. Today we're talking about the Medical Marijuana Initiative that was passed in November by Mississippi voters with our guest Mark Guerrera, an attorney with Butler Snow. We're not taking your phone calls today, but we are encouraging our listeners to support this show, support this station, support the mission of Mississippi Public Broadcasting by going and calling 888 372 4483 to make a financial contribution or going online to mpbonline.org and giving to support MPB. Thank you, Liz. And, uh, and you know, this is an exciting topic that uh, listeners can uh, help support. Uh, when we talk, we're really going to be talking today primarily about med the medical marijuana legislation. And, and, Mark, you've done several blog posts on that issue, and your blog is really, I think, a great go-to source for information about what's happening. Can you tell us a little bit what, about where that legislation stands today? Sure. So there is a bill uh, that's still pending in, in this session of the legislature. It's House Bill 119. Um, how we got here is an interesting story in itself. But uh, the bill is actually started off as something called Harbor Grace's Law, which is, and it was a reenactment of Harbor Grace's Law. That's what House Bill 119 was. Because the two Senate bills um, that would have created a, a, an alternative medical marijuana program both failed. Uh, they both died um, in, on, the, on the House side. Then uh, the Senate, in a kind of a unique, uh, it's done sometimes, but not done a lot, uh, legislative maneuver, took the medical marijuana bill that had been in play in the Senate and grafted it on the House Bill 119, which then created this new, sort of give, uh, gave a second life to the whole concept. So the bill right now um, 
for those who are following it is uh, over on the House side, the House has voted to invite conference, uh, which means that the Senate, uh, if the Senate does the same thing, then the Senate and the House will get together over the remaining days in the legislative session and try to work out their differences in the bill. Um, a lot of people ask, well, why do we even need a bill? Because we have Initiative 65. And just to refresh everybody's memory about that, uh, Initiative 65 was the medical marijuana initiative that passed in November of this past year by, um, if you add it all together, almost 74% of the vote, which is really an astounding number when you think about it. And um, that initiative creates an amendment to the Mississippi Constitution, which is a fascinating aspect of this whole thing. I'm sure as a law professor, Richard, we, you, we could talk about this for a while. But so it creates a constitutional amendment, but then that amendment got challenged in court. And um, so the legislature, you know, to sort of summarize it, the legislature is working with the possibility that the Mississippi Supreme Court could strike down Initiative 65. And so that's why this bill is pending. There's a provision in the end that says this only goes into effect basically if the Supreme Court or uh, Initiative 65 fails to become law. So by we're dealing with an initiative um, and a bill in the legislature. It's interesting that, uh, you know, I think that was more, I think that was one of the concerns that uh, you know, making a constitutional amendment rather than legislation was a concern that some of the opponents to Initiative 65 had, but it clearly passed by a big margin. And the you know that that question then was how can a constitutional amendment be unconstitutional? Will be one that will be an interesting issue for the Mississippi Supreme Court. Uh, do, would there, from your sense in working with the legislature on, on you know and and, and kind of having the you know knowing the heartbeat of this issue, do you think that something will pass in, in case the Supreme Court strikes down Initiative 65? You know, it's hard for me to predict. Um, the Senate bill, which is, let's just call it an alternative program, um, has failed a couple of times now, uh, depending on how you measure it. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's hard to read into exactly what's going on. There, there, are, there are some legislators who feel, look, we've done this, uh, the people have spoken, let's don't muddy the issue, uh, let's leave the issue with the Supreme Court. Surely the Supreme Court's not going to do something uh, contrary to the wishes of 74% of the voting public. You know, hint, hint, you're all elected. Um, so there, there are those who have that opinion. There are others who say, look, uh, because 74% of my electorate, of the people who voted for me, voted for this, we really need something in place just in case. And, um, and, and there are other aspects to it also. I mean, you, you've alluded to it. The Initiative 65 is really, I mean, I know a lot of people complained about the length of it on, you know, when they went to vote, but, but for a very complex program, government program, as serious as this one, the five pages or so, depending on how you space it, of Initiative 65 was actually pretty brief. 
Uh, and now compare that to the, the legislation that's pending, which is roughly 100 pages, um, and, and in some respects only begins to scratch the surface of what you really need to do to make medical marijuana legal in the state. So um, there are those in the legislature who feel, look, you know, putting all this aside about what's best to do here, we've got to get a good head start on how to regulate this industry since Initiative 65 is just so broad and it's not really uh, into the weeds enough, <laughs> pun not intended, um, about exactly how you do this. So this bill, House Bill 119, which is you know what we're dealing with now, has a lot of detail that Initiative 65 doesn't have. Now, the, and then the other aspect of this uh, that'll come into play soon is until Initiative 65 goes away, you have um, there, the Department of Health has mandated to come up with new regulations. So there's a deadline in place right now in the Department of Health of July 1 to come up with the final version of the regulations. And then the initiative says uh, they have to begin issuing ID cards by August 15th. So the whole thing's on a fast track, an amazing fast track. Uh, it's hard to predict exactly how it's going to go at this point, but it's uh, it's fascinating to watch. This morning, we're talking about the health legislation that's going on in our legislature right now with our guest, Mark Guerrera, an attorney with Butler Snow. Thank you for listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. And thank you for choosing MPB as your station for news and ideas. It means a lot to us and the community at large that a nonprofit station like MPB can thrive in such a crowded media landscape. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host, and I'm Liz Gill. We do hope that you subscribe to our podcast. Man, there are a lot of different podcasts. Uh, Jay White and I did a promo where there were top 10 ways to listen to MPB. So there's at least that many, maybe more. I happen to like Podcast Addict. My husband is a Stitcher person. Other people who have Apple devices use Apple Podcast. But however you do it, if you have a smartphone, you have a smart speaker, you have a tablet or a computer, you download the app, the podcasting app to your phone. You touch the plus. It takes you to a page to search for podcasts. And there are podcasts on 
every subject there ever was. A podcast is just simply an audio recording. There could be a one-time podcast with one episode or something like In Legal Terms, which has four, five, six years of, of episodes. When you search for your podcast, I type in In Legal Terms in the search area. It brings up our show. I'm able to touch the photo, then subscribe, and that way I'm notified when any new episodes are loaded up. I'm also the producer for In Legal Terms. I try to make sure all of our podcasts are up the afternoon that they are broadcast, which is Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. This morning, we've got a special fun drive episode of In Legal Terms. We've got Mark Gariga, an attorney with Butler Snow. We're getting an update on Mississippi's medical legislation, specifically what's going on with the medical marijuana legislation. And we're can't take your phone calls today to the show, so we encourage you to pull out your phone, write down the phone number to contribute to MPB, 1-888-372-4483. We'd love for you to just hop on your computer and go to mpbonline.org and Go to giving so that you can support our show and all the other local and national programs that we broadcast to you on MPB. This is really a great topic, and we've had a show on the initiative prior to the elections, Initiative 65, and we're really lucky to have Mark Ariga here with us today from Butler Snow, and, you know, he is a former legislator, so he, is, he has seen, you know, the side of it from, you know, uh, practice and, and being involved in healthcare law issues, and he does a blog, which I, I imagine we will post on our, our website um, so that people can see it, because, Mark, your, your blog has been, uh, really, for me, a tremendous resource in, in preparing for today's uh, show because it has such good information about what is happening. So let's say all right, you mentioned the, the deadline. The Mississippi Department of Health is required to adopt final rules and regulations by July 1st. That's coming up fast. Um, and so if, the, if, if, the, if, if 65 is struck down, what happens next uh, at the Mississippi Department of Health? Are they still going to do those regulations even you know, while that uh, matter is pending in front of the court? Yeah, so they really don't have any choice in the matter. Um, You know, that's one of the shortcomings of working with a constitutional amendment, or or maybe one of the benefits, I guess, depending on your point of view. You know, the Mississippi Constitution, as it sits right now, mandates the Department of Health to meet a deadline. It says regulations involving medical marijuana must be in place by July 1st, 2021. Well, in an ordinary situation, if this was just legislation, the legislature, as we got close and the agency said, hey, we can't do it, you know, they would extend the deadline. But because it's in the Mississippi Constitution, you know, you'd you'd need another initiative uh, before the deadline to make that happen. So, you know, which is not going to happen. So as a result, the Department of Health, even though this Supreme Court case is going on, has to be working on those regulations. I mean, they're mandated by law to do that. And as state officers, you know, a Department of Health, there's a Board of Health, there's a state health officer, um, they have to follow the law. So, um, you know, I've been trying to keep in touch with the people over there. Um, They have to keep their work, of course, confidential at this stage. 
But, uh, yeah, they just don't have any choice about the matter. You know, probably the best way for them to do this, and I think it's probably what they're doing, having been in state government for a few years, is um, they're looking at legislation in other states. They're looking at regulations in other states because Mississippi's not the first medical marijuana state. And um, they're probably taking little bits and pieces of this and that, whatever they think is appropriate that fits Mississippi. And they're putting all that together. And um, because of the way these deadlines were under the Mississippi Administrative Procedures Law, uh, the deadline for them is actually not July 1. It's backing up from there about 60 days prior. So they're going to have to release somewhere around May the 1st to meet the APL deadlines. They'll have to release at least the first draft of those regulations for comment sometime around that period. And, um, you know, it works a lot like the congressional uh, and the federal register um, and, and the way it's done in the federal um, in, in, in Congress. They have to release the reg regulations. There's a comment period that follows. Um, they can choose to make changes or not make changes. There's provisions for public hearings in there. And then so the final date is July 1. There's still actually some period after that where changes can be made, but and maybe that's more than you want to know, but they don't really have any choice in the matter. And um, when you think about the fact that, you know, this case is pending, which could make all their work go away, um, oral argument on the Supreme Court case is set for April the 14th, which may or may not be coincidentally 10 days after the legislature is supposed to adjourn. Um, and so a lot's in play right now. What and, if the uh, dates aren't met? What if the dates for having the information out for comment aren't met? Is that just a oops, or is there any ramifications? Yeah, there are ramifications. Uh, unfortunately, if you're in a position of authority in one of those agencies and you don't follow the law, you can be subject to civil penalties, fines, um, all sorts of things like that. Now, everybody knows, everybody seems to be working well together on this. Everybody understands the pressure the Department of Health is under. If they missed by a day or so, I can't tell you exactly what would happen. That would probably be up to the Attorney General. But um, I can't imagine anybody who has that authority would want to slip or miss one of those deadlines because, you know, a lot of people would read a lot into that. Richard, what do you think about that? Well, it's interesting, Mark, and I, think, I really appreciate your insights on that, especially about the, the final regulations having to be adopted by July 1st. And I, I deal with tax law and you know, tax regulations will come out, you know, the code will be changed, and then uh, the Treasury Department will issue regulations, but they go through a long process before they become final regulations. And I think, you know, you know to, to, to say to, to a regulation, a department that is creating regulations, you've got a couple of months and they've got to be final is very difficult because there are still some temporary regulations in the, uh, in the Federal Register that, uh, that deal with 
uh, tax law changes that took place in 1984. Those things are still temporary. They haven't been made final yet. So it's not necessarily an easy process. And I think it's important for the listeners to understand that. Now, Mark, you, you have a colleague who has been involved in the kind of the Supreme Court uh, uh, case process. But what is that about? I mean, who brought that case and why? Why would someone challenge Initiative 65? What would be the reason behind that? Well, um, I don't know about the reasons, but but I can tell you what the arguments are, and, and they're, they're really kind of interesting. Um, it's and it's not nearly as open and shut as people might think. Um, coincidentally, I happened to be in the legislature in 1991 when we passed the implementing legislation to create initiative and referendum in Mississippi. Um, so I'm one of those people that's probably at fault <laughs> for what's going on right now. But when we passed um, the initiative, and, and remember, it also had to be voted on since it's a constitutional provision, had to be voted on by the people. The way it was drafted was um, there's a provision in there that to try to make sure that all of the signatures weren't gathered from just one part of the state, there's a provision in the initiative and referendum law that says you have to collect them basically equally across five, uh, the five congressional districts. Well, all well and good when there were five congressional districts. <laughs> and why in the world we didn't think of that, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but now we only have four congressional districts. And so the argument is, is that it's an impossibility. This petition that's, 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 that was passed by the people and voted on was gathered, uh, didn't meet the signature requirements because they weren't gathered across five congressional districts equally. And um, there's more to it than that, but that's the basic argument. And uh, some people are concerned that if, if, if medical marijuana is struck down, it will de facto strike down the entire initiative process, which is probably right. And uh, considering how much trouble went into getting us here and getting an initiative in the Mississippi Constitution, and believe me, there was a lot, um, there's serious ramifications to what's going on in the Supreme Court. Um, the bill, the, uh, let's, the excuse me, the uh, litigation was actually brought by the mayor of Madison, Mississippi, and um, that's the grounds that they argue in the brief. Um, now, you may ask yourself, why would a mayor of a city care about this? Um, I'm just speculating. Part of the reason is that Initiative 65 has a provision in it that basically prevents cities and counties from enacting significant zoning restrictions on medical marijuana dispensaries and treatment centers. So normally cities and counties have a lot of flexibility when it comes to zoning uh, Initiative 65 ties their hands in some respect, which a lot of people probably don't care for. And um, and so there's a lot going on here on the surface and probably below the surface. It's really so interesting. You know, the, the question I've had people say to me is, well, if they, if they knew that there could be a problem with the four districts versus five districts, uh, why did this even ever go to the election. I mean, why did it ever get this far? Couldn't somebody have headed it off earlier? Because now it seems like it's a little late to be 
dealing with this. Yeah, well, the reason that the, the straightforward answer is because there's an attorney general opinion. And so remember, when you're, when you're a state officer in Mississippi and you're taking some action, if you want to um, get somebody's advice on the subject, the attorney general is your lawyer. And so in the past, um, the previous um, Secretary of State, I believe it was under Secretary Hoseman, but it may have been earlier than that, asked for an opinion on that very subject. Like, Mr. Attorney General, what's the deal here? I've got to, I've got to judge whether this petition fits the, the parameters of, of the constitutional amendment. Um, it says five, but we've only got four. What do I do about it? And so there's an Attorney General opinion that says, don't worry about that because— you know, under rules of construction, this, that, and the other, you know, just pretend it's four. Um, and so, which was, you know, a very reasonable interpretation, in my view. And so that's how this petition was judged, just like all the others that have been voted on. Um, and that's how we got here. Um, nobody that I know of ever really pressed the issue to the Supreme Court. And so it's a as, as you know, Richard's what we call a case of first impression, and it has it has ramifications well beyond medical marijuana. You know, it kind of reminds me, and I know we have to go to break, but I, I you know, if you have a will and you say, I give, I split everything uh, in five equal parts to my four children, somebody will interpret that to be, you really meant to say four equal parts, and it almost seems a similar kind of thing here, pretty straightforward. So the attorney general's opinion, to me, makes sense. But anyway, thank you for that ex explanation. This morning, we're talking about the medical legislation that's going on right now in the Mississippi legislature, specifically medical marijuana that was passed by the voters with our guest, Mark Gariga. Thank you for listening to MPB Think Radio and for taking three minutes out of your day to help pay for another year's worth of In Legal Terms as we explore news and important topics together. You can help by giving what you think is fair at mpbonline.org or by calling 888-372-4483. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. You already know MPB Think Radio is a direct result of donations from listeners like you. But instead of counting the size of your donation in dollars, how about axles? Trucks to motorcycles, cars, even 18-wheelers. Your donated vehicle of any size helps fund the programs here on Think Radio. For more information on how to donate your vehicle, visit mpbonline.org slash support. This is In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.com. 
www.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. This morning, we're talking about some of the legislative and medical legislative information that's going on right now, specifically about medical marijuana. We've got our guest, Mark Gariga, from an, an attorney from Butler Snow. We're not taking your phone calls or your emails today, so we would love for you to go ahead and contribute to support in legal terms financially by calling 888-372-4483 or going online and giving to the website mpbonline.org. And this is such an interesting topic, and I, and I hope the listeners are enjoying it. Um, it's it, it's important, too, because it will impact on Mississippi. There are 33 other states who have adopted medical marijuana. Uh, and, and, Mark, you, know, you, you and I were talking during the break about I, I think this doesn't break down along party lines the way people might expect. So what, what have you seen in terms of who is supporting medical marijuana? Uh, you know, that that is an interesting part of it, and it's a good question, Richard. Um, you have elements on the political spectrum on the right and the left. Um, on the right, you have people who tend to be more libertarian, who say, you know, this is something that other states are doing. Uh, this is something I should be able to do in the privacy of my own home. I want the government out of the way. And uh, so there's a, there's a strong libertarian core element to this whole concept of medical marijuana. Um, and also, you know, it speaks to uh, that libertarian view of, of medicine, too. That is, you know, there's this huge medicine bureaucracy, uh, healthcare bureaucracy. I don't want to be a part of it. Um, I would rather try a home remedy. Medical marijuana is a home remedy. And, and there's that sort of thing. And then, of course, you have on the political spectrum left people who just feel like, you know, marijuana is not this dangerous substance that we have painted it to be. And so when you put it, those two things together, that's how you get 74 percent. And uh, even though that all makes sense now in hindsight, I never would have believed that percentage on the front end. Now, I wasn't involved um, in the initiative and I wasn't reading any of the polling numbers, although some people were telling me anecdotally um, who were working on some races that I was interested in that the, that this subject was trending very high, but I just never would have believed 74 percent. Well, especially, I mean, that's such a good point. And especially I, what I think surprised me was then there was the alternate 65A that was on, on the same ballot that I thought people would right. be confused by. And, and, you know, but it really it did seem like. Uh, the information that was out there, people really bought into this concept and wanted. And I hope, I, you know, I hope that that's our legislature and our Supreme Court get that that clear message that, you know, because what worries me, and I, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this, is there a possibility we come out of this whole situation back to square one with nothing? Yeah, unfortunately, it's you know, it's, it's it is possible, um, and I hate to put it on them, but. <laughs> It's really in the hands of the Mississippi Supreme Court, the nine elected justices, and um, you know they've got to they've got to fulfill their constitutional duty to rule uh, just as the law provides. And the argument being, you know, we've gone through it already. 
Um, but you can't help but think, you can't help but think that somewhere in the back of their minds, the justices' minds, they're also trying to accommodate this incredible public will that's been expressed at the ballot box. And, um, you know, nobody knows how this is going to go. I think uh, the, you know, the Supreme Court arguments are televised. So I imagine a lot of people will be watching that day on April the 14th. The arguments will be fascinating. The questions from the judges will be interesting. Um, but it could happen. So let's just think about those scenarios. If the Supreme Court were to strike it down and the legislature doesn't pass anything, you're back to square one. And, and not only are you back to square one on medical marijuana, you could be back to square one without an initiative process in the Mississippi Constitution. So, you know, what's the world going to be like if that happens? A lot of people paint doom and gloom. And, you know, I think it would be a tragedy, but that's just my personal opinion, having been involved in initiative back in the early 90s. But, um, yeah, it could happen. And uh, then the legislature would have to start from square one. That's partly the reason, I imagine, uh, that the people who are pushing this legislative version, alternate version, are pushing it just to keep that from happening. We try to empower our MPB listeners uh, to make sure that they know the phone number, know the names of their state senators, state representatives, know the phone numbers, know how to get in contact with them to let their people who represent them, let them know uh, the constituents' beliefs. But you can't go on Twitter to the Mississippi State Supreme Court and tell them what you think they should do. They have their own set of uh we they were uh, elected they they are they are elected because of their beliefs and their knowledge and their stature and it is just all up to them that's what you're saying mark yeah and and you know it's it's unfair of me or anybody else to put the painted in political terms for them um they really as you said Liz, they're they're not supposed to consider the politics of this and uh, knowing um, many of those justices, I know they'll do exactly that. They'll just look at this issue, they'll read the briefs, and they'll rule according to the law. The ramifications, though, are significant. They're mu much greater than medical marijuana. And um, you know, it's been there's been a lot of unfortunate, inaccurate reporting about what's going on in the legislature. Um, I mean, I read some article recently that said, well, this was all designed just to confuse the voters and confuse the law. Um, you know, Section 40 of the current bill clearly says it only goes into effect if the law, you know, Initiative 65 is struck down. So I'd like to think, that, you know, in good faith, they're trying to fix this problem. Um, depending on what the Supreme Court does, it may take more than one session to fix it. But Mississippi's probably not too far behind the rest of the states on this. Um, as, as Richard, as you and I were discussing, Mississippi was one of the very first states to actually decriminalize possession of marijuana, small amounts. So, uh, and that was probably, you know, some of that whole libertarian thing we were talking about. Um, so I have faith it's going to be fixed one way or the other. Um, I'd like to see it get fixed sooner rather than later, and I think a lot of people would as well. And I'm always excited when I drive on our beautiful campus to know that we actually have one of the uh, few legal medical marijuana testing facilities here. And, and we, you know, have a great department. Uh, 
that uh, does tremendous work on natural products. And, uh, and so we, you know, so I, I do think Mississippi gets it. I, I, I hope so. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Now, if you don't mind just talking a little bit, we don't have much time left, but you were part of the initiative process originally. What, what was the legislature's uh, idea behind creating an initiative process? Uh, well, there was a lot of political pressure applied um, in the late 80s and early 90s to create an initiative process. And, and it, it was something that was going on across the country. Mississippi was part of that trend. Uh, I ran unsuccessfully in 87 on the initiative um, idea. Um, by the time I ran again in 91, most people supported the idea. And so that's, you know, it was passed by the legislature, I think, in the 91 session, which was eventually voted on by, by the people of Mississippi. It's not an easy process, unfortunately. Uh, but some people would say that's a good thing. You know, it's not California, right, where they vote on a, 10 initiatives a year. Um, it's, it's a tough, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to get it on the ballot in Mississippi. But maybe that's the point. I don't know. Well, this is great. I mean, I, I really, um, we're so grateful that you, you've been on the show today to talk about this. Cause, and I do hope that people look at your blog and, and get, you know, the current information because you've definitely kept us up to date on what's happening in the legislature. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's a fascinating subject. I love your show. I'm a big fan of MPB and just appreciate the opportunity to participate. Well, we're always always happy to have Butler's No Lawyers on too, so I'll put a plug in for your firm because y'all have been y'all been uh, good guests every time you've been on. We've been fortunate and hope to have more of you on as well. Well, thank you, Richard. I'm Liz Gill. I'm with my expert host, Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law with our guest, Mark Gariga from the firm of Butler Snow. Legal Terms is brought to you by MPB listeners who are also supporters. This is radio for the community, supported by the community. It's our spring on-air fundraiser. Give now at 888-372-4483 or do your part at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 